Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. I sound a bit sad today because I am sad, but I'm not going to go into why that is now because today's episode is not about me. I just wanted to say if I sound a bit sad and I sound a bit sniffly, it's because I am. I'd never lie to you guys. I literally just can't do it. Anyway, today is a really important episode. And as you know, I will forever stand the power of therapy, particularly for how it can help you to understand who you are, how you got that way, what happened to you, the story that you told yourself about what happened, how you responded to that story, and how you and those around you molded and changed your personality and your life to fit your new reality after the event or multiple events that have basically made you. Therapy is incredible at unpacking how your life now mirrors what happened in your life then. But what conscious talk therapy doesn't always do is explore how your body kept the score of what happened. And I deeply feel like I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't introduce you to the next part of your healing journey, which is why today's episode is Sarah Murphy back with us discussing more of a somatic therapy angle. Now, what fascinates me is the word trauma comes from the word wound. And I think it's really important to remember that trauma is not what happened to you. It's not the event, but it was the impact that the event or events left on you in your brain, your body, your psyche, and your spirit. Yet sometimes that feels so incredibly wishy washy. Like, how could trauma ever actually impact our body? And if you're anything like me, this is the journey that I have been on over the last five years, literally, not only trying to work out how to heal my own chronic pain disorder which actually started after a highly overwhelming, highly stressful and highly isolating experience, traumatic, some might say, but also to be able to explain to you guys, the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this podcast, how what you've gone through might be showing up in your body. So bear with me, because that's what Sarah and I are going to get into today. And what I've learned from Sarah is that the truth is the connecting piece between what happened to you and what happened to your body is the response that your body had to the situation. And what I've also learned in today's episode is that the answer to that is really our body's stress response. Like that is what's at the core, the foundational piece of trauma. A stress response is supposed to come and go and we're supposed to return back to this state of balance after allowing the energy of the stress basically to like move through us. Another thing that I loved is when I learned that the word emotion like a Latin derivative, literally 
means energy in motion. So these emotions that we feel or we felt, they are supposed to move through us. But when we don't complete the cycle, like when we don't let them move through us, because we live in a society that tells us to stop crying or because we run away, we close off, we shut down, we disconnect or we become hyper aware, we actually don't return back to balance and we don't finish the cycle that we were supposed to. So we actually didn't complete the stress cycle. And what I've been learning in the last few years is that the threat, the trigger, the emotion, it stays lodged in our subconscious mind, which is like the hard drive within us trying to keep us safe constantly. And over time, whether it's in childhood, whether it's in adulthood, our body starts to adapt because they are amazing things, but it starts to adapt constantly to these states of stress. And that is when we start to see physical changes in the body, in our nervous system, in our endocrine system, in our organs, cells, nerves, you name it. Sure, it's different for everyone, but let me tell you, there's definitely some underlying and overarching themes that I really think we're going to see more of in the next few years. So yeah, the more and more I dive into this journey, I understand how stress in childhood, or even if you were before you were born, you know, even if you can't remember it, this stress in childhood, it can make us more sensitive to stress in adulthood. Also, guys, I don't know if you can hear this. Can you hear this little kitten that is literally, I don't know if the microphone's going to pick it up. And that's, that's the reason that I'm so sad today is that we rescued these kittens five days ago. Someone threw them in the trash. Oh God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and we have been literally nursing them every two hours, like syringe feeding them. I mean, actually I am sad, but I could still make a joke, which is that when I say we have been syringe feeding them, I have been syringe feeding them because my boyfriend goes to work and I literally sit at home all day on my own with the intensive care kittens. So yeah, it's it's not really been as much of a team effort as I'm making out here, but I think 101 of your relationship is not to bring them down in public. So I probably shouldn't be putting this on the podcast, but yeah, he's been at work and I've been, I've been doing the day shift and it's been intense. And one of them was sick when we found her and has just got worse and worse and worse and oh we've been like doing everything and it's been it's been emotional um and one of them died today oh it was so sad I've literally been crying the whole day anyway I wasn't actually going to talk about this today but seeing as this little baby has woken up um <laughs> I'm going to speed up the rest of this intro because he is going to need feeding. So yeah, today's episode, Sarah explains to us how stress in childhood can make us more sensitive to stress in adulthood. And then when you're sensitive to stress or you don't know how to finish your stress cycles properly, it can lead you to develop a life that's basically based around this variety of coping mechanisms. So exercising, eating, drinking, smoking, traveling, <laughs> you name it, I have given them all a good go. Um, but everyone's numbing or disconnecting mechanisms are different. So it's just really interesting to understand how those coping mechanisms can be tied back to our body's stress response and how our body's stress response was often laid way before we were conscious aware of it. So before I go and look after this little baby kitten that needs his mum more than ever and has lost his sister and all of his other siblings, like my heart literally breaks. So I am now officially his mum. But on the topic of vulnerability, which is me basically crying on my podcast about cats, what I've learned on this journey so far is 
the vulnerability is our capacity to be wounded by those around us. Sit with that. Vulnerability is our capacity to be wounded by those around us. And as children, we were vulnerable because you're born vulnerable and beautifully without walls. Yet today as adults, we live with walls and scars over all of our wounds. And then around the wounds, we put more walls so no one can ever get to the places that feel uncomfortable. So we keep people out and we push them away just so they don't ever have to get close to those wounds, even if we can't remember the wounds taking place. And I think what's really crazy is that if you touch a scar on your body, sometimes you can't even sense that it feels different. Like maybe it feels numb. Yeah, maybe the nerves have been damaged. Or maybe it feels sensitive because the wound happened and the body is there to tell the story. And I think the wound analogy is the perfect place to end this intro is that sometimes we just feel numb to the pain that we've gone through. And sometimes we feel hypersensitive to the pain we've gone through. And sometimes we just feel nothing at all. Like we know that things should have hurt us, but we don't feel it when we feel into the memory. So however you feel after whatever you've gone through, I think this episode will be an interesting one for you because ultimately below all of that, no matter what your conscious mind remembers, our body continues to remember the story. So if you're on that journey alongside me, I am so fucking proud of you and I love you guys so much. I'm sorry for that slightly emotional introduction. As ever, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it to your Instagram story. Let me know which part of the episode stuck out most to you. And please, please hit a follow or a subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this podcast. It would honestly mean the world to me. And if you love this and you want to be part of the house, you want to be part of our community and you want to get access to the open house therapists, you can do that for just three pounds a month. The link is in the show notes. I love you so much. So does this guy. He is, he is meowing away. He is definitely a strong one, this one. Oh yeah, you are. Um, We love you guys. We'll speak to you soon. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today, I'm so excited that I have one of my greatest friends, Sarah Murphy, here with me. She's certified in holistic nutrition, clinical herbalism, and practices Chinese medicine, polyvagal theory, and more recently focuses on nervous system health and healing as she's certified in the biology of trauma. So if we need someone that knows a thing or two about trauma, Sarah is your girl. And she has also lived this story herself. So today we're going to be talking about what trauma does to your body and mind and how it can show up and why you need to listen to the whispers from your mind and your body before it turns into a screen. But the first thing that I want to get into today is that I think it's so hard for people to understand that trauma is actually something that almost kind of like gets lodged in your body that can kind of impact the cellular functioning of our body. Now, I think that in traditional medicine, there's this belief, the mind and the body, right? We think of the mind and we think about the brain, we think about the head, we think about the thoughts that come out of here. And then we think about the body, which is, of course, we think of the rest of our body. Now, something that I've started to learn from you and as I've gone on this healing journey more and more is that more progressive types of healthcare and healing modalities are starting to not only research and explore, but also understand how actually the mind and body aren't separate at all. And so I just think it's really important as we go into this episode to not 
think about mental health issues as just being something that originates in the brain. I think, you know, we think of, oh, I'm depressed. It's in my brain. It's in my head. And what I've learned from you, what I've learned from being in this space is how it is a full body experience. It's connected to your nervous system, like we spoke about in the last episode. It's connected to your gut. It's connected to your gut microbiome. It's connected to the neurotransmitters of which so many are created in your gut. And I think taking that one step further as well, like you said, the body almost sort of logs these memories. And someone once referenced to me that the subconscious mind is a bit like the hard drive. So say, for example, your computer is getting too busy, too heavy. There's too much information, photos, videos going on. It starts to get really slow. What do you do? Okay, you buy a hard drive. So you push everything onto the hard drive to clear up some more space in your brain. And they explained to me that that's exactly what happens in the body, is that when things almost get too much or too overwhelming for the nervous system, there's somewhere that this energy has to go and the body kind of like lodges it and stores it almost in a hard drive, which we could like see as our entire mind-body being. So I just think that's so important. And I think that kind of prefaces how, you know, people talk about trauma all the time, but no one ever really understands what trauma is. And that for me is something that I really, really need people to understand. And it's very, very abstract before you go on this deeper dive healing journey where you sort of step outside the therapy room and you step outside of just the brain and the mind and the cognitive piece. And then you start to understand how insanely powerful trauma can be in your body. Or it's that action of something happening and getting stored that can kind of impact the cellular functioning of our body. As the ACE study has shown, childhood abuse and neglect is the single most preventable cause of mental illness, the single most common cause of drug and alcohol abuse, and a significant contributor to death by diabetes, heart disease, cancer, stroke, and suicide. And I just think it's so crazy to understand how these situations that are traumatic for our body and nervous system can have such majorly powerful follow-on impacts on the body. So Sarah, I would love it if we could just jump into, do you think I've kind of got that right there, that trauma is something that literally can kind of get lodged in us and can impact our cellular functioning? Am I along the right track? What do you reckon? Hi, Louise. Thank you so much for having me on here again. And I'm so excited to share this critical information with your audience. So our body is a representation of our subconscious mind. It holds onto all sorts of memories, beliefs, perceptions. It holds onto so many messages. These messages show up in the form of feelings, tension in our body, blockages, and heightened or delayed emotions. Our body will only let these messages go if we're willing to stop and acknowledge them and then release them. If we don't listen to their volume, this volume gets turned up and we can't ignore this volume any longer. These messages become stronger, more visible, and then they start to show up in things like mental health issues, injuries, and chronic illness. So we talk about Gabor Mate a lot on this podcast. Uh, He's one of the most recognized psychologists who specializes in childhood stress, trauma, and addiction. And he talks about how our early life experiences change our neurochemistry. This sets us up for mental and physical health issues later in life. Literally, this can change our brain chemistry and our hormonal systems. And there are so many studies out there now on the ACEs if you want to go look them up. So this shows in the studies 
that childhood adversity is associated with later life psychiatric disorders and adverse brain development of our amygdala, our hippocampus, our prefrontal cortex, and our cerebellum. So this means that when we go through childhood events, these areas of our brains don't develop properly. It doesn't have to be some sort of huge trauma. It can be a little trauma. Lack of attunement, when you were crying, your parent wasn't there at a time. Again, people have to understand that trauma doesn't always have to be big. So in these studies, it shows that they that they are finding that there's underdeveloped oxytocin pathways. Your ability to feel loved and positivity and happiness and closeness to others is greatly affected. Childhood adversity is also associated with low levels of serotonin, and also this can lead to depression. They're also finding studies where your dopamine receptors aren't formed properly, and this dramatically changes the way that someone would experience pleasure and happiness. And all of these inhibitive changes in neurotransmitter production can lead to mood disorders later in life and the ability for us to regulate stress. We'll have an overactive sympathetic nervous system. And it also shows that there are never-ending health issues connected to this. People will be more prone to mental health issues and, you know, really suffer. Okay, I'm going to pull out a couple of things that you said there that I thought was super fascinating. We've started to look at how trauma is nervous system dysregulation, but what you've just shared there as well is that trauma actually changes your brain chemistry. It changes your oxytocin pathways. It changes your levels of serotonin and your dopamine receptors. Like it, trauma can change the entire way that you function as a human being. It can change the way that you perceive things. And I think that this is also so helpful because sometimes if you're standing at the kitchen sink and you just want to cry, okay, you just don't feel good, you feel low. Where I go to a lot is this seems so much easier for everyone else. And I know that that's not true, but I always feel like no one else feels these deep feelings that I do. And actually, instead of just trying to pin it on something that's happened in the present, you've taught me to understand that actually it can be so much deeper and it can be something that really is was wired so long ago that maybe I have pathways prone to doing this or low dopamine levels because of that. Like, I just think that is so important here. Yes, Louise, you're absolutely right. But it's not just chemistry. The thing that you have to understand is how life traumas impact our HPA access. And this is an access in our brain, which is responsible for our hormones, especially adrenaline, cortisol, and oxytocin. So these stressors make us more reactive to stressors in our life. And I know how you were talking about how it feels a lot harder to you than other people. Well, this all has to do with your stress system and how your body is reacting to these stressors in your life. And we can actually put this back to how we experienced life as a child and where our stress system went from there. So you might be putting out a lot more cortisol than the next person and things might feel so much harder to you than, you know, the friend who's experiencing the exact same thing. So this is what is very critical to understand that if our hormonal system is off and, you know, when we talk about mental illness, anxiety, all of that kind of stuff, any type of health issue, we talk about our hormones and when these hormones are dysregulated, we're really going to suffer. When I first was diagnosed with my chronic pain disorder a very, very long time ago, I went to do some private tests because the doctors weren't able to help me. 
And the test that they did was basically like a 24-hour like urine and saliva, basically like a cortisol panel, right? They came back to me and they said, you have really, really high levels of cortisol. Your body has basically been under so much stress that it is just now pumping out cortisol constantly. Now, what I want everyone to understand here is that I went through a major, major trauma at university. But when it ended... I didn't feel shit every day. You know, I wasn't crying every day. I wasn't stressing every day. Like I suppressed it on a conscious level so much. But I think this ties back into the first part of the episode is that on a subconscious level in my body, it couldn't ignore what was happening. So I'd love it if you could just explain, I guess, yeah, how do you get to that point where you could end up doing a cortisol test and actually, you know, yeah, your your body is fried. When we're running our life always on high cortisol, high stress hormones, this actually becomes normal to us. We are in a situation where we're in fight or flight all the time and our body actually looks at this situation as, you know, nothing out of the regular. We become very, very comfortable with being in high stress situations because that's just been our life. And again, when you say that you haven't noticed that you are overly stressed is because we kind of become numb to our situations. And we see this a lot where someone is raised under a very high stressful situation that they're bathed in stress hormones for most of their life. And, you know, the normal is to be always in stressful situations and not think anything of it. And We actually, coming from our subconscious, feel like that is normal to us. And then at some point, you know, cortisol, cortisol actually does a job for us. But when cortisol is pumping out too much for too long, all of a sudden, you know, our hormonal system, um, our nervous system, our entire body system starts to go off. And, you know, we see this a lot in, again, anyone who's been under a lot of stress in their life. They're not recognizing it, but then they'll all of a sudden get diagnosed with some sort of health issue. You know, it can start with hormonal issue and then it can go into something, you know, like yourself, Louise, it can go into a pain issue and all of a sudden, you know, you get diagnosed with an autoimmune. So we got to see this, that, you know, stress, early life stress coming into adulthood will really, really affect you, not just on the physical level, also the mental level. Stress hormones can affect your neurotransmitters. Stress hormones will change your entire body chemistry. So it's very important to understand that if our stress system is off, it might have been this way for a very long time and we might not actually be aware of it. Yes. And one of the craziest things I've learned from you is it's about like breaking down these barriers around this concept of trauma. I did not experience childhood abuse. I did not experience a broken home in the traditional sense. And today still people look at the list of things. Did you experience this, this, and this? And they think, no, I didn't. I had a fine childhood. You know, I wasn't raised in a refugee camp. And that's the same as me. But I am the case study here. Like I am the case study. Yeah. So what I want people to understand is that I grew up in a good home, right? I shouldn't be stressed. I shouldn't be traumatized. And for anyone not watching on video, I'm doing that in inverted commas because the truth is, is clearly something happened. Either I was brought into this world with a nervous system that was susceptible to sensitivity, or I was brought into this world with a nervous system that then became 
susceptible to sensitivity as a result of whatever it was going through in the family home and the way that that was maybe stressing me out subconsciously without me ever thinking, you know, oh, I hate it when my parents fight. I hate it when my parents fight. Because as children, we don't know that there's any other way, right? We've never seen an alternative. So we just kind of are familiar with what we know. And then I think when you layer on top, you know, this big trauma, that for me was like the big bang. And that's what you say, you know, sometimes people will then show up with an autoimmune or with some kind of diagnosis. It's like something can tip the scales. And what I've learned from you as well, that can be a huge life crisis. It can also be a car accident, a physical accident that can then almost like tip you over into the edge, into the subconscious mind finally showing up in the body. But I just love to talk to you a bit more about this concept of being susceptible being sensitive because I am so sensitive, not only to the pain signals in my body and my nerves, like that's what my pain disorder is, right? I feel stuff that other people probably wouldn't feel, but also I just feel like I'm very sensitive to my emotions and very sensitive to other people's energies and reactions and stuff like that. How does this concept of being susceptible to sensitivity or maybe like overly sensitive tie into trauma and the body? Yes, Louise, you're absolutely right. So there are actually things that can make us more prone to a sensitive nervous system. And I do know that we are actually going to get into this a lot more in another episode, but just to touch a little bit on them. In utero, if our mother is going through a lot of stress and we are bathed in stress hormones, you know, this is going to affect our nervous system. Even when we're in the womb, it can also stem from, you know, the emotional atmosphere growing up. So, you know, if there was a lot of yelling and, you know, this might not be yelling towards you, but this could just be a dysfunctional home can also stem from some genetics. And I don't like to place blame on genetics because today we know there's a thing such as epigenetics where, you know, we're not doomed to our genetics and our genetics actually change based on our environment, but there are certain genetics that make us more prone to a sensitive nervous system. And these are things like overmethylation or undermethylation. And these have to do with the MTHFR gene. I know this sounds very, you know, I'm sure you guys have no idea what this is, but we will get into it. Our nervous system can get, you know, more sensitive when we are prone to nutrient deficiencies when we are younger. And again, it has to do with our environment, the health of our gut and, you know, toxicities, infections that we're dealing with. So all of these things can actually make us more prone to a sensitive nervous system. And again, we need a full-on episode for this. We will get into it so that people can understand truly how to, you know, get over their little T, big T traumas. Again, I just want to make sure that people understand that we're not saying that you had to have some huge event happen in your life. There are little small things that can happen to you that can also throw you off. So I think we all need to understand this. It is crazy when you run through all of those things that can lead to a sensitive nervous system, because you're right, there are so many people listening, myself included, that will never have considered that any of those things could be causing sensitivity. And it's much like the numerous and myriad root causes of depression and anxiety that we're also going to go into because people will say, I'm depressed. And I'm like, are you depressed or has this happened or are you deficient in this or have you got a toxicity in this? Like you've taught me how many things go on below the surface. And I think that what you are teaching me is that probably my body has been in a stress response and always on state for as long as I can remember. 
And that doesn't mean that I've had to feel it, right? Because it might just be that that's my state of normal. And I think this makes a lot of sense when you look at like, even times when I tried to close down my businesses before because I was way too stressed, I literally closed down my business, moved to LA, moved to the other side of the world. Did I actually take any time off? Did I stop working at all? Did I stop exercising? Could I actually rest? Could I actually put my phone down? Like, no. So even if you might not feel stressed, what Sarah's taught me is like, you can be so used to being bathed in these like stress hormones that it almost starts to like feel good. Like that's why I love working, right? It's like a, just a high stress, like high dopamine, high reward based environment that obviously my body is so used to. So I think it's really important here to understand that like your dysregulated nervous system can show up in lots of different ways. But I'd love it if you could just tell me how might it show up for your average person? Like what are some of the key areas that you might be like, oh yeah, I experienced that, like connecting the dots. Oh, maybe I have a dysregulated nervous system because of trauma. Yes. So it's very important to understand this because a lot of people don't realize, again, that they are stuck in this stress response. So we got to understand what dysregulation actually means. I know this phrase is thrown around a lot, but not many people understand. A dysregulated nervous system will often cause us to respond to thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in an inappropriate way. So maybe disproportional to event. And I know, Louise, you talk a lot about how, you know, sometimes you would just go off and, you know, this overreaction maybe to situations that didn't really need that overreaction. And so we are coming from this response that our emotions are overly reacting to situations that don't need that overreaction. So you know, someone who can't deal with stress. So let's say we're trying to get through an issue and it just stresses out and we have to flee from the issue. This is someone who's actually dysregulated, someone who can't sit with the feelings, someone who has to run away from a feeling, someone who has to, you know, use anger in a situation where anger is actually not needed. It's important to understand that, you know, an unresolved, unfinished stress from our past can actually cause our bodies to react this way in the present. When we are calm, our brain activity is actually very even. Our body feels this sense of calm and a calm brain drives calm emotions. And that's very important to understand. And so you think of calm, you think of your heartbeat, you think of a predictable heartbeat, you think of predictable breathing, you know, but when we're dysregulated, our thinking and behavior and our heart rate all become very erratic. This is kind of like the fight or flight flee situation where, you know, some people will get anxiety in situations that aren't really situations where anxiety is needed. Yes. And I sound like a broken record here because I just want to say to people that when Sarah's saying like, you know, it's too much, like we feel our heart racing, like sometimes these things, like you're not even aware that they're happening because you are so used to these states. Of course, there is the other end of the spectrum. Like if you enter into conflict, you know, I went through something with my boyfriend like two weeks ago and the second that you receive that message, like you feel the blood pumping, like you feel your chest tighten, you feel that you want to lose your fucking shit, or you feel that you want to run away, or you feel that you want to cry. Like that's the very obvious responses where you're dysregulated. But what I've learned as well is that there can be all this dysregulation in between that like doesn't necessarily feel like, oh my God, the world is ending. It can actually just be that our bodies are supposed to function in this state of gentle homeostasis 
And we're just sort of supposed to move through the stress responses and we're supposed to complete our sleep cycles and our hormone cycles. And then all of a sudden, dysregulation just sort of throws all of those things out of whack. And I also read this really cool quote, which says that after trauma, the world is experienced with a different nervous system and the survivor's energy becomes focused on suppressing inner chaos at the expense of spontaneous involvements in their day-to-day life. And these attempts to maintain control over these unbearable reactions in the body can basically show up in a whole range of physical symptoms like fibromyalgia, which I have, chronic fatigue and other autoimmune diseases that you talk about all the time. So I'd love it if you could just talk me through, I guess, like some of the science behind when we get stuck in this fight or flight or when we get stuck in this freeze, you know, how does getting stuck in those states actually connect the dots to it showing up as a health condition later down the line? Yes. So getting stuck in fight or flight, you're highly reactive. You're getting in these fights with your friends, become very jumpy and agitated in your everyday life. And since the fight or flight response diverts blood and other resources away from our digestive tract, we might not eat that much. Our adrenaline is pumping so you don't sleep that much. We see a lot of relationship issues when it comes to people with dysregulated nervous systems. Many people with anxiety actually have hypersensitive fight or flight responses. You might not think that you're dysregulated because you say, you know, I'm just a highly anxious person. Anxiety is part of my life. But what people have to realize is when you're experiencing anxiety all the time, this is coming from dysregulation, you know, anxious attachment styles for people who go off very easily. You know, you're seeing this danger and you become very overly anxious. You are living in a fearful place. You're very much stuck in a survival mode. So interesting about the anxious attachment, because that's the perfect way to summarize it, is that something small happens, a change in energy, a change in text message, they don't text you. You should be able to rationalize that it's not a big deal. Like everything is fine. The likelihood is, is that nothing's happened. But in those moments, it just feels like you get just taken over by fear. And the fear kickstarts that stress response, right? Which then kickstarts the dysregulation. And so it's just this cycle, like going round and round. And then you probably get more dysregulated when you're like getting angry and calling them repeatedly. So that is crazy. And so spot on. Like since I've learned how to re-regulate, regulate, sit with uncomfortable emotions, go through the stress response and let it finish. I don't reply to anyone about anything. But the old me would be like jumping in there, like sending the text message straight away, being like, you're actually fucking wrong. Like, how could you? Now I'm just able to just regulate that stress response and be like, I'm going to come back to this in a day, two days. And it is revolutionary, like understanding that and what you're teaching us. So what other ways will people maybe see this showing up in their life? Like, what should they be looking out for? Yeah. So we're going to see this showing up in, you know, everyday anxiety, fearing even sensations in our bodies, someone who can see that they have a rapid heart rate all the time, even getting anxiety of your own rapid breathing. A big thing that people don't realize is asthma when you're not breathing properly could be a fight or flight response as well. You know, things like panic attacks. This is, again, going into full-blown anxiety disorders. But um, another one that people don't really think about is also social anxiety disorders. 
you know, the fear of being judged, having a hard time being in social situations, having a hard time doing things like interviews or or presenting in front of people, which really impairs a lot of people's quality of life. Also a huge one that people really don't realize is, you know, your symptoms of ADHD can actually be rooted in minor traumas or trauma as a child. A lot of people are misdiagnosed with ADHD. And, you know, I actually have a situation like this where my brother, this actually happened to him where, you know, he went through some trauma and all of a sudden it was like he was hyperactive. He couldn't concentrate. He felt nervous all the time. He couldn't focus on his studies. And this is a really, really big symptom of being in fight or flight. So, you know, people really have to understand that um, there are a lot of symptoms that come along with that. Yeah. Something that you've taught me is it can show up differently for everyone. So for someone, it might be social anxiety. For someone else, it might be health anxiety. For someone else, it might be generalized anxiety. For someone else, it might be ADHD. You know, what I'm learning is that everyone's body just shows up differently with what it's handling because we're also bio-individual and we're also bio-unique. So it's like, of course, we're going to have different ways that we show up with what we've gone through. So I think that's really interesting for people to understand that actually maybe their anxiety, maybe their panic attacks, it isn't just part of their personality. It isn't just like, oh, I'm a socially anxious person. No, let's drill a bit deeper into that. What does that mean? That means that there is fear and there is a dysregulated nervous system. Like, sure, maybe you had a traumatic experience around being left out at a party, being not asked to dance at a disco, like whatever those things are. But the truth is, is like time back to the very beginning of the episode that got lodged as a memory. So now today, whenever you go back into a similar situation, it's like reminding the body, which is then putting it back into the same stress response cycle. And then is basically triggering the whole cycle again. So for anyone that does suffer with social anxiety or any kind of anxiety, what I've learned is that we need to be looking deeper behind it, not just accepting I have anxiety and asking why do I have anxiety? And I know that that's basically why Sarah's on the podcast. Like one of my biggest drivers of working with Sarah is that I can't wait to share with you all how to rethink depression and how to rethink anxiety. Because trust me, when you understand what is really going on in your body, your whole life changes because you also realize that you are in control of healing it. So I cannot wait to do that with you. But I guess on the topic of depression, let's flip this the other way, right? So you've taught us in the last episode, you've taught us in this episode how you can get jammed into your stress response and then it can either be too much like fight, flight, fight, flight, Or you can go the other way and you can go into freeze, which is where your body is basically like, this is too much, this is too much. I'm just going to shut down. Like, I'm just going to shut down. Like, what do we need to understand around trauma, stress responses, and the freeze? Yes. So again, you're in this high anxious state for so long. Eventually, we feel helpless and we move into this shutdown mode. And this can happen again when we're going through too much for too long or, again, something that people don't understand. It can also be when we aren't experiencing enough joy in our lives, when we're not living our purpose, when we're feeling hopeless in life, when we have zero excitement in life. This can put us in our sympathetic state and then this state is too aroused. So our entire system actually shuts down and we go into this freeze mode. Again, what does this freeze mode look like? So in the beginning, the body body turns on the fight or flight response. 
And this produces constant anxiety and overreaction and stimulation, followed by the paradoxal response where, you know, you lose all motivation and you become shut down. And actually, again, you call yourself depressed, but this is a state of your nervous system. We should stop going into, you know, that, you know, I'm depressed and understand that this is just our body in a nervous system dysregulated state. Okay. I am kind of shook by this because I didn't even understand myself that the dysregulated nervous system state of freeze comes after a prolonged period of stress. I didn't understand that. I thought it was like fight or flight or freeze. Like you experience stress and you just shut down straight away. You've just taught me there that no, these states of freeze, these states of shutdown, they come after prolonged or I guess like big experiences of stress. And that's fascinating for me because I have people very, very close to me that have struggled with lifelong chronic depression. And it's just crazy for me to now look at their situation and with this lens on it being like, oh, like that's why that happened because, you know, your body couldn't handle this, blah, blah, blah. And ultimately it was trying to do that to protect you. I think that is the biggest takeaway from this is working with Sarah has taught me that our body is always trying to help us. And the problem is, is that when it seems to go wrong, we are very quick to turn around on our body and say, why are you doing this? You're dysfunctioning, you're breaking, you're not supposed to do this. And I can say that more than anyone. Like I still cry now, like why why are you hurting me? Like, I don't need this pain. Like, I, I don't understand why you're doing this to me. But what Sarah's taught me is that it, the body is just always responding to whatever is coming in at like a stimuli level, whether that's like in the moment right now, or whether it's in a moment many, many years ago that you don't even remember, which is why I think it's so important when we talk about, it's so important to process your unhealed trauma. I guess this is is where we can wrap up. Is like, this is why you need to be healing your trauma because it can impact you so much on a day-to-day basis. And you've taught me that trauma can show up in so many other ways that we haven't been able to get into today. I'd love it if you could just give us a little sneak peek into, I guess, where we're going to be going next and how else trauma can show up in the body and just yeah, share anything else you want to before we wrap up today's episode. Yes, it's very important for people to understand that, you know, whatever we're dealing with in the present day actually didn't start in the present day. And, you know, this is why I got into learning about trauma because I work with the physical body and trauma can show up in ways such as chronic gut issues, autoimmunity, addiction issues. It's really, really important to understand that addiction issues come from dysregulation of the nervous system. And so there's so much more to discuss on this topic because, you know, people who are struggling really have to understand the root of where their struggles are coming from so that they can heal at its root. That's beautiful. And I'm so grateful for your time today. I feel like we've gone through some incredibly important things. I'm so excited to share them with the world. I think that they've changed my experience of life. They've changed my opinion on life. They've changed my opinion on my body, what it's doing, how it's showing up and how ultimately it's just responding to whatever happened in the past as well as what's happening in the present right now. So yeah, such important stuff we've covered today. 
Thank you as ever for joining me. If you want to go and find Sarah, all of her details are going to be linked in the show notes. You can follow her on social media. You can sign up to her mailing list. You can even work with her one-on-one if you are going through any sort of health issue, physical, mental, she will take you to the root of it and she will help you work through it. And I think that hopefully in the coming few weeks and months, we are going to be doing even more content with Sarah as we get deeper and deeper into this multifaceted thing we call life and ultimately our healing journey. So thank you so much, Sarah, and to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week.